CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome in to another edition of the Noon Dish. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. With the noon dish brings Don Callahan. And Don Callahan is a diehard Philadelphia fan. I do not understand it. But I will tell you this, Don, before we get started. I hope you've enjoyed this cold-ass weather we've had for the last week. Um, because it's got to make you feel at home. Um, I don't know if it makes me feel at home. but um, <laughs> I, so I, So I have not been outside today. But I did check and see, is it 60-something degrees? I know it's yeah. supposed to get warmer. So I'm kind of, as you know, you and I are, are walkers. You know, we're old, so we walk. And so I've been braising the cold temperatures for the past couple of weeks. So I'm a little excited to get this done and over with so I can get out there. I'm probably going to sweat my ass off, but it is what it is. Yeah, uh, if I can't get about four miles a day in, I feel like I've missed out. And I've I've missed out this morning. I missed out yesterday, for for reasons non disclosable reasons. But uh, oh man, it is a it is good to get outside, no matter how cold it is. It kind of the the cold. You know, I almost wanted to go full Jason Kelsey. Um, <laughs> it wakes you, know, you up. Sure, it does. It, it does. does. And it makes you feel good, especially you get out there and you don't feel like doing something, and you do it anyway, and then ultimately you feel better. Um, and I'm I'm a shorts guy. I wear shorts. Uh, I'll go. Sh- yeah, you're one of those. It reminds me of well, my, so my, my. Now I did, you know, I eventually did have to go jacket and all that, but um, my legs just don't get cold, especially once I start to get rolling. But some of those, some of those winds were kind of bitter, you know, just kind of cutting through your clothing, whatever. But it is what it is. People aren't here to hear about all of this. Let's. Uh, we want to. We have a very special presentation for the MVP this week. Yeah. Um, and and he's in here, as always. The man is in here early all the time. I'll let Don do the uh, honors since yeah, we... Yeah, so uh, I believe, so he can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is our first. We've never had a two-time MVP, and so I believe he's been MVP before. If he hasn't, this is long overdue, but if he has, he is our first two-time MVP, Sean Crowley, or is it Crowley or Crowley? I, think we th- I would say Crowley. Crowley. So uh, congratulations, Sean, for being our first two-time well-deserved because he is always in here before – because we can see the, the chat before we actually go live, and he's always in here chatting up, and we appreciate that and wish we had a lot more people like Sean to kind of get this uh, community rolling. Well, I will, yeah, I will say um, of, the, of the folks in here now, Mark and Preston from Greensboro, Yancey, you guys are always uh, in here. It's pretty cool, you know. Inside Carolina's been wearing out these live shows lately. I don't know if folks are on the basketball ones, but 
I had a thousand plus in the live chat the other day, NC State game. Uh, Joey stood in for me on the wait after the Wake Forest game. A thousand plus folks watching that. We're not going to get there on a on a Wednesday at noon in this, but let's get it let's get it pushed up, folks. I gotta make a comment to Eric. I don't know if a Braves fan could talk about the Phillies finish in the uh, standings the past two seasons when the Braves completely had nothing for the Phillies in the actual playoffs. I know, really. It's all but, about playoffs, right? Playoffs. So where's that? It is. It is. And, uh, can't yeah. hate on. Yeah, I can hate on the Phillies. Um, but anyway, let's get into it. Uh, we've got a special guest coming in about 10, 15 minutes. Pat Suttis, North Carolina football gym general manager, will join us live here in the chat. We hope um, we expect him to join us, have some questions for him in the new era of college football recruiting. And also, Don, you put out a scoop. Intel yes. from the Lemming photo shoot. That, I had almost forgotten those Lemming photo shoots were a thing. Um, yeah, they're not as a big of a deal anymore but they still i mean he's had them even during you know COVID. he's had those photo shoots and he does a great job of attracting the top kids i mean not all of them like david sanders wasn't there this past weekend but david sanders had been at the prior two so it makes sense for him he doesn't really need to go again but i mean usually if you are a top recruit at some point during your recruitment you have gone to one of tom lemming's things and for people who have been follow following recruiting for a long time. I mean, he is, there's somebody else who kind of claimed that the title of Godfather, which never made any sense to me. I mean, Tom Lemming's been doing it since 1978. And if you've ever had a conversation with Tom, I mean, he, he's just this history book and can, and he just go, he has all these stories. He tells you about meeting these guys um, that are now, some of them are hall of famers, John Elway, Dan Marino. He met those guys when they were in high school. You know, he has stories about Tim Tebow on and on and on and on. And, and it's always kind of cool to, for me to kind of just chat with Tom, but the event was great. We have a lot, lot of um, great UNC tidbits from recruits who were there on Saturday. So if you haven't checked it out, um, please do. Did you get a chance to check it out, Tommy? You're muted. God knows I got myself. I always read your stuff. Uh, I'm okay. muted because somebody always decides to cut the grass outside my really? window. In in, were we still in January? Yeah, really. It doesn't matter, man. It's like Wednesday noon dish comes. I'm going out and cutting my grass right outside Tommy's window. Uh, so was, was there anything in there that you um, that kind of struck you? For me, let me go back a couple of years. Was it the Lemming photo shoot where it's over there at Cardinal Gibbons or near NC State and all the North yeah. Carolina recruits were sort of clowning on Raleigh um, a little bit or a couple of them were? How yeah, that's going? There was, yeah, the um, Javari Ritzy class, that group. I don't want, Ritzy's just the only one that popped in my head. I know there was other guys, and some of them went to state and left pretty quickly and just went over to North Carolina. Yeah, that was, uh, that was no major interesting nuggets like that, but when you're talking about defensive line, and, and we'll talk about it a lot over the next several months leading into spring, you got Isaiah Campbell and Bryce Davis, North Carolina kids. Don, I thought it interesting, and I don't want to spoil the scoop, so I'll allow you to elaborate as much as you want. But coaching changes matter to yeah. these young men, and I thought that was an interesting takeaway from what you put together. Well, with the interesting thing, and I think we can we can kind of give a little bit away with if we just stick on this this aspect of it. But um, 
it's almost like the two situations, the coaching change is kind of almost going in different directions. You know, with Bryce Davis, it might actually end up helping North Carolina um, with, um, with Isaiah Campbell, at least initially, I think it, you dinged UNC's chances a little bit, but I think some of that is just, he's a lot further along in his recruitment than a lot of other people. He's a kid, no nonsense kid has taken a, a bunch of visits. So he's getting towards the end of his recruitment while many others are still have, have a lot of visits to take. And so to lose a coach of such importance at one of your top schools is obviously going to impact him in a negative way, but UNC is going to definitely get an opportunity to, you know, kind of, kind of fix that. So we'll see just what happens if it's too little, too late and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, so it, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's kind of interesting. It, we'll talk about the effect of NIL and, and all this kind of stuff and prestige and all that. But Don, in your, in your experience, relationship with, with a position coach, Where is that on the list of things, if I'm a recruit, I care about? Yeah, I think that recruits, they don't list that, but it obviously impacts things because that's the the salesman. It's just like if you're buying a car – you know, the, the salesman does help or maybe maybe um, maybe that's not a great example. But I mean, it, if you're buying something and you're dealing with a bunch of different salespeople, whoever is selling you that, that impacts things. Now, you're making the decision off of what the product is, but how that person presents it and what they highlight and how they're able to do a good job of kind of diminishing the negatives. That's that's all on the salesman. And um, and, uh, and then obviously in a lot of situations, you know, that's going to be your position coach. And that's going to be the guy that you think will be coaching you for all four or five years. The sad truth is, is that if you look at assistant coaches, their um, resumes, I mean, I think the average stay is like two years. So you are probably going to have, you know, at least two position coaches during your college career, regardless of where you go. But still, that's the guy who's selling you on everything. So it definitely impacts things. Yeah. I mean, if I'm buying a car or buying whatever, I, and I like the person trying to sell it to me. I'm more likely to listen to them and all. And, yeah. and I think I think the the salesman, yeah. And I think the salesman aspect of all this, you know, why it sounds a little, I don't want to say dirty, but mm-hmm. it's just sort of the process. It is a big deal. And that also big time visitor at a basketball game on Monday night in Chapel Hill, Don. Yeah. I think that's that's way out in the public. Another local guy. Hard to believe we're talking about 26, but 26 is hot and heavy at the moment sort of tell folks about that you've got a potential dual sport person athlete uh, at least at this point in his high school career a big name in north carolina yeah so i think kendra harrison five star 2026 tight end number one tight end in the 2026 class at the moment he's also a four-star basketball recruit typically we wouldn't have ran a story on such a visit, especially since there wasn't a whole lot that that occurred during the visit. But this is going to be a name that if you don't already know already, you should if you follow recruiting. But if you don't already, um, get familiar with it because you're going to hear about it a lot. And I think really his recruitment is starting to fire up a little bit just because he's going to be so highly ranked. Or he already is highly, highly coveted. I mean, he I was talking to him the other day just about his offers. And I was like, let's talk about who hasn't offered you. And he named like three schools you know, I'm talking about in football. And so obviously he wants to play both sports. 
wherever he goes, he'll be on scholarship for football. And he wants the ability to also be able to play basketball. And for most, for every school, they're, they're going to be like, yeah, I mean, he's going to be better than any walk-on they can get for basketball. So when you when you look at a guy like that, and I was trying to find his his measurables, and maybe you have them off the top of your head, everybody wants to reference Julius Peppers. Yeah. Um, when you do this, and, and, and maybe Harrison's that guy. You know, it's hard to touch Julius Peppers, folks. If you weren't ever around him, was just a different human being. They do not make Julius Peppers in the world more than once every 20, 30 years. And, and so those comparisons, I think, done in realistic terms, are, are they putting too much on a young man that's still, guess what, in his junior year in high school? No, actually. So he's a sophomore he's right now. He's still a sophomore yeah. right now. Well, when uh, you see him in person, because he is like a legit six seven, um, I think he's listed at 235 pounds. But, I mean, regardless, when you see him in person, he's – he does not look like a sophomore. He does not look like he belongs in high school. So what is I can't, a sophomore? I, I think about 15, really, 16. I, well, I think about the fact that even like a couple of years ago, he was in middle school and how in the world is he playing against middle schoolers? You know, because he wasn't that much shorter or that much smaller, you know, um, he's just a massive human being, super nice kid, loves to talk, loves the uh, process right now. Although I, I imagine at some point he's going to get burnt out because He's just accepting every single interview, every single um, request of his. But great kid, great personality. So, um, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it's probably not fair to throw that comparison on him. But this is a kid who I think can legitimately play, you know, football and basketball. Where a lot of situations we see kids like, you know, Keyshawn Silver was not really an ACC basketball player. But you kind of dangle that carrot out there for him, you know, to kind of help your chances. This is a kid, I think, who could be an ACC basketball player. I mean, that's obviously a better question for Sherelle. But, um, and definitely from the football aspect, easily a top 100 kid right now. He's ranked in the top 10 for his class. Yeah, a different, a, a different kind of young man. I, I mean, and I mentioned Peppers' measurables. Well, he's, he's close to him there. Anything left on before we bring in our guest? No, I'm excited to bring in uh, Pat Suttis. All right, let's get him in here. See if I can not screw it up. You don't hang up on him. No, I got you. Pat said us what's going on, man. What's up, gentlemen? Don, uh, Don set it up. Don got you in here. I'm going to let Don sort of formally introduce you, and we'll get right into it. Yeah, so there, there were stipulations. I could not wear any Phillies gear, so I went Flyers. Well, no, it's still Philadelphia, though. You know, that's still, <laughs> still an eyesore, but, you know, that's the Braves number over the years so there's really nothing i can say about it right now uh, i got you i got you so i really either way I, pr I i appreciate pat coming on because i think especially with just the changes and we'll get in all into all this but just the changes the last couple of years have been insane and how they impact your job so i, I did want to kind of start just very very basic because i think everybody who's on on this you know watching live going to listen to it later they understand the g the gm the general manager of like an nfl team or a hockey team or a baseball team and what they do, how does your job differ or is similar to, you know, a regular GM in, in the professional leagues? I think now it's, it's, there's not much difference, right? Um, we even got salary caps right now, even though we're obviously we're not allowed to um, tell collectives or anybody who to pay, what to pay and all that, but that's kind of where we're heading. Um, but we have free agency with the portal. We have, 
um, the draft, which is college recruiting. The, the biggest difference, obviously, is we can't just pick the players we want. we got to go recruit them and sell them on, on Carolina. Um, but, yeah, it's become – and we've structured our department uh, like an NFL team with the coaches really being the scouts that go out on the road because we're not allowed to um, besides the 10 coaches. But uh, I think it's – you know, when um, I started working for Coach Saban in 2007, he was kind of the first one to kind of implement this – this. Um, strategy in college football i think where it's where it was then to where it is now uh it's grown exponentially and with the new rules it's going to continue to grow we're talking with pat Sutis here on the noon dish uh, general manager of north carolina football pat let me ask you a follow-up on that you mentioned starting with saban back then and he was sort of on the cutting edge of it Max said the other day that it's changed more in the past couple years than it changed in his 40 or whatever um, how true is that? And can you quantify the, the amount of change we've seen in college football, specifically North Carolina, just over the past two, three years? No, it's hard to quantify. It's definitely, you know, in my 15 years of doing this, um, definitely by far the greatest amount of change. And there's more to come uh, in the next couple of years. That I think will change it even further. Um, but I think the great part is it's still the game we love. It's the game we grew up you know, watching and loving and the reason I'm in this business. Um, so for us, for college coaches, for anybody involved in this business, um, it's just about adapting and holding on um, and come up with the best strategy possible, knowing things are changing rapidly. Um, but you have to have a plan. And um, and that's kind of what we've, we've done here. And we're going to continue to do that until um, we get some real structure um, wherever this thing kind of heads. Let me uh, take a step back with um, the one question I get a lot is the process for a scholarship offer. So mm-hmm. in North Carolina, take me through as much as you can, just how that how, how does a kid go from non-offer to offer? Yeah, and every place is different. I think the way we work it here is, you know, obviously the first thing is the film. And for us, it's not a highlight film. Uh, that's not where we're watching. We have a, a team of guys that cuts up all the film. It's a good, bad, ugly tape. So we're, we're seeing everything. Uh, on a prospect and and obviously when that's approved the next thing for us being at the university of north carolina is the transcript um you know there's a lot of you know i don't think fans really understand you know why aren't we pursuing this guy and this guy and this guy i mean there's a lot of guys we have to weed out because of the transcript Uh, we all know what the academic uh this academic prowess is here and um not every kid's going to fit that and so that's the that's really the first thing we do and it's also a great way to see guys who take care of business on and off the field you know how you do uh anything is how you do everything and so um for us that's really been a great measure and of uh guys that really take everything seriously and that translates to football um guys that have um high gpas usually translate well to be able to learn the game uh mm-hmm. and learn how you know these playbooks have gotten uh, huge over the years and all the different things you're seeing offense and defense. So for us, that's huge. So that weeds out a lot of guys on the front end. So we don't offer anybody until we get their transcript. Uh, and then once the position, you know, my staff, somebody from my staff watches, position coach watches, uh, coordinator watch, and then I'll sit down with Coach Brown, anybody that's been approved, we watch them. And Coach Brown watches every guy that's been approved for an offer, and then that's when the offer goes out. And then that's when really the the background, the um, – getting to know the kid and the family, that's when that all, all begins. But that's really for us. And and Coach Brown is not one to just throw offers out there. You hear a lot of, you know, offer if must, offer get to camps uh, that other schools are doing. Uh, we don't do that here. So if we throw an offer out, it means we really want the kid. 
Pat, let me ask you a follow-up there, too, and this is an interesting discussion. You mentioned transcripts and then handling business off the field. I always tell, I tell my sons, I tell other people I deal with, people watch you all the time and how you treat your parents, how you treat mm-hmm. your friends, and how, how much of the, the, the personality fit side goes into the – we know it's huge in basketball because yep. there's only 12 people, 15 people. But on the football side, how much is fit personally go into all of this? I mean, if a guy can play, he can play. Yep. But you don't want a bunch of assholes – to disrupt chemistry and all that. I'm sorry to put it that way, but that's what it is. But how does that go into Mac's process? Yeah, I think you just take the Herb Brooks quote of, I'm not looking for the best players, I'm looking for the right ones. And that's true. I mean, that is spot on. Um, that's our philosophy here. I mean, you look at even what, what basketball has done this year with the portal and their high school guys. I mean, they're a completely different team. Um, they're cohesive. You can see they're a tougher team. Um, and just adding a couple of guys in the portal and a couple of high school guys has changed their their, their whole culture over there. Um, and that's what we're trying to do here. And that's what we did. You know, we thought last year bringing some portal guys, um, you know, high school guys this year. But what what everyone understands is when it, when a high school kid or a, a portal kid comes on campus, we're obviously trying to sell them on coming here. But we're also trying to see if we really want them. Mm-hmm. Um, do they fit here? Um, there's been plenty of kids that come on campus and, you know, afterwards as a collective in, in a staffing, we're like, we don't, we don't think he fits here. You know, he was just not engaged, um, wasn't talkative, act like he didn't want to be here. Um, you know, he disrespected this person or that person. Um, and then we take him off the board. I mean, that's a huge piece of it. So it's, it's an interview process, um, for both sides. Um, and our coaches are in the process of on the road right now, and they're getting a lot of info on these kids from counselors, from teachers, coaches, and other players on the team, um, you know, to find out if we're recruiting the right players. The one other question that's really re- relevant now is just your guys, I guess, um, off-season visit philosophy, because I know and you know these kids aren't going to visit – they're not going to visit North Carolina every single weekend. Correct. You know, from here until summertime or whatever. So how do you guys approach what's kind of like your mindset for getting guys on campus and when and, and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I think anytime it's not a dead period, try to get guys on campus. Um, we've kind of gone away from the model of the herd mentality of getting 100, 150 kids on campus for a junior day or thing like that and do more individualized um, itineraries for kids so they feel more welcome. They learn more. Um, I've been doing this a long time and just there's so many kids that get overlooked on junior days and you don't get to spend enough time with them. And it can be a huge negative and it can be a player you're trying to recruit later down the road, but their first uh, chance to come on campus uh, was a negative. So you might you're going to be behind. Um, And so that's our philosophy is just keep it small, keep it individualized, uh, not a cookie cutter itinerary for everybody. Really find what their interests are uh, and really try to attack that. Yeah. And that kind of. um you know, this is a story people, this is before your time, but I remember uh, Travion Henderson mentioned he came to North Carolina very early on for a spring game and said he got zero attention. Now this is mm-hmm. before his recruitment blew up, but now he, he probably wouldn't have ended up in North Carolina because he was a big time guy, but it really put North Carolina behind the eight ball with him. And so it kind of speaks to just the change in the philosophy that you kind of brought. The other thing, the big thing, and we've kind of touched about it a lot, um, 
throughout our conversation so far, just the changing landscape. How have you guys adapted with that change of the NIL, the transfer portal, balancing everything and all that? Yeah, obviously, you know, I heard you guys talking about a little bit kind of how the position coach is involved in the recruitment, and how important that is. I think the priorities for kids have shifted some. Um, you know, I, I think NIL as a, as a whole is a positive thing. Uh, I'm on board for saying they need to be there needs to be revenue sharing and this needs to come in house. Um, you know, whether they're employees or not, I'm not I don't really I'm not smart enough to get all the details worked out about that, but they need a, they need a piece of the pie because they're the ones that are contributing um, to the athletic department, to the economy. Um, so that's 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 one thing I'll just say there on, on that. Um, I, I think the way we're trying to adapt is keep the main thing, the main thing. NIL, we know, is a piece of it and we have to get um, continue to be stronger there. You know, I know you see the huge push from Coach Brown and our coaching staff and everybody to give the collectives. And we have a tremendous support system here with fans, with donors, former players and all that. And everybody needs to help right now until we can figure this thing out. This is not a long term deal, um, but whatever you can give, please give, because I promise you this. We do a great job across all sports here recruiting great people. And this NIL money is being used for a great cause. They're not out there buying cars and all these different things. They're getting their parents to games that can't afford it. Uh, they're getting two bedroom apartments so their parents have a place to stay and all that. So that's kind of what, you know, i am got a little off topic there, but we, 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 NL has to be a, a part of your recruiting pitch, but it eliminates a lot of guys we're recruiting if that's the only thing they're concerned about. Mm -hmm. um, because this is small amount of money that's not going to last you the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. We want guys that are looking at the big picture, the 40 year decision um, and really want to come and win. Cause I think winning has become taken a backseat for a lot of these kids. They want to know, you know, it's an eye mentality of how much money can you pay me? Am I going to play right away? Um, are you going to develop me for the next level, which are all important. Um, but if winning's not in that top three, then you're probably not going to fit here. Not probably not going to fit in a lot of places. We're talking with Pat Suttis again on the Noon Dish here, certainly sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. Speaking of uh, the, the recruiting pitch, it, it was always, or for a long time, it was a four. It's not a four-year decision; it's a forty-year decision. How do you keep that in the mix when the money, current money, has gotten such a, to be such a big deal? Uh, I mean, and specifically in high school recruiting now, portal. Recruiting, I understand, is a little bit different. But how do you sort of balance what it's always been about for North Carolina and still compete for those wins in this era of what have you done for me lately, pay me, show me the money? Yeah, I think it's becoming harder just because you have more people in these kids' ears now. You know, it used to be just the high school coach and their parents or guardians or somebody. Now you've got these um, – you've got legit agents that are representing these kids – and then you've got the trainers that have become agents or the uh, friend of a friend that becomes their agent. And they're trying to get involved and they don't really understand all the what's going on. They're just trying to get the most money for their um, for that high school prospect, which, again, is illegal. That's an inducement. You can't talk anything with collectives or anything until they get on campus um, and enroll. 
we know that's being broken everywhere. It is what it is. Um, but again, we try to present for these kids too, like, okay, here's what taxes are. All right. <laughs> Somebody might be saying you're going to make 120,000. You're not making 120,000. That's not what you're, that's not what you're receiving. Um, so here's what taxes are. Here's how far that money can take you. Then here's how far your UNC degree can take you. Here are the opportunities outside of that. Here's when you, the average player, you know, whoever, if you are blessed enough to make it in the league, here's the average shelf life of an NFL player. Well, you might be 28, 30 years old. I mean, you got to work till you're 60 something, right? You're not going to be able to live off that money. There's very few NFL players um, that are able to live off the money that they make. Um, usually those are quarterbacks or some big time pass rusher or offensive tackles. And so what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Because that degree is going to be important. The connections you make here. We have a ton of powerful people um, that have graduated from this great university. Um, here's are the, here are the people that can help you. What do you want to do for the rest of your life? And so those are the things we try to sell. And if that's not important to that player, that's great. Um, it, you're not going to be a fit here. Um, and there's plenty of players um, that, that is important to. I think we have a signing class coming in that that's important to. Winning is important. Being developed. Um, and playing together um, and the cohesiveness is important to them. Yeah, it, it is tough to tell young people to think about 10 years down the road. Mm -hmm. I mean, you yep. ask a young person, what do you, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? And I doubt you get an answer that's realistic from a lot of them. Now, there are some special, but the majority of teenagers, it's all about the here and now. You mentioned the recruiting class you, you guys have come in, and it's a large class, and it's, it's what, three times as much as the portal class is at this point. Mm -hmm. Where's the balance there? Why? It, it, it seems like today college football is win now. You look at another school, say a school in the Big Ten that hasn't beat a rival, they are loading up in the portal to go win now. Yep. How do how – do, how does Pat Suttis, Mac Brown, and the staff balance getting high school guys in to sustain the program from within and by building it versus getting guys from other schools um, that can help you win immediately? I think the number one thing is retention. Um, and I thought we did a good job this year of, re of retaining a lot of our players, whether that be guys that could have gone out uh, for the draft that might have been later round and wanting to come back and improve their stock, that's where NIL can help, right? Um, keeping those guys um, back in-house. And then from there, to me, the portal is a year-to-year -year, um, deal as far as how many you want to take. It depends on how much experience is coming back um, by position. Um, so we felt like we had a lot of experience coming back at, at certain positions, and then certain positions we needed – guys to come in uh, portal wise with experience. And um, I, I really honestly believe, I don't think going all portal is the way to go. I don't think that builds team camaraderie. I think it's a one year deal. Um, and you're having to do that year in and year out. I just don't think it's sustainable. You never know what's gonna be in the portal. You could think, hey, I got we gotta take two, three linebackers in the portal and it's a terrible year for linebacker, uh, linebackers in the portal. Um, so I think, for us, it's still like this year, like you talked about, we're three fours high school. Uh, we're still probably going to be in the market for a couple of portal guys after spring, potentially. Um, but that could change, you, you know, every year, depending on how much experience you lose. But what, what we're able to do now, we have 20 high school kids coming in at mid-year. They were there for bowl practices. 
They're going to be there all offseason training, spring practice. It gives them a chance to see where they're at in their development and can they help us come fall. It gives us a chance to see that. So I think for the high school kid, it's still important to give those guys time um, to see what you got before you just discard them and, and get a portal guy. Pat, I think you're a smart guy, and you definitely know this stuff way better than me. How would you how would you change some of this stuff um, if the NCAA came to you, or maybe wouldn't maybe we can't be talking about NCAA? Somebody with some sort of power to kind of change these things with NIL and, and the transfer portal. What what changes would you make? Don, I'm not going to bash the NCAA. You're throwing me a softball there. So <laughs> we'll just talk about if we had a commissioner, right? Okay. Somebody in charge. Uh, maybe Coach Sable will do it. Who knows? Um, the first thing I would change, you know, we have become NFL light, and it is what it is, and it's not it's not changing, um, especially for the Power Five or uh, whatever you want to call it now. So I think the first thing is let's let's model it like the NFL. Let's have one free agency, one portal window. Um, my my thought would be put the portal window in the in the spring. Now you don't get those portal guys coming in in. Um, in January, but like I said, it gives you a chance to develop your high school kids. Mm. Most high school kids now are coming in at mid-year. I mean, for us, 20 of the 26 are, are mid-year. Um, so it gives you a chance to see what you got before you have to go out. And it also helps these guys finish. You know, there's so many kids that enter the portal this year. You guys would be shocked as far as their semester short of graduating. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get in the portal and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. What people don't understand, when you transfer, you're always going to lose hours. No matter where you transfer to, some schools don't take D's, some schools don't have that major, um, and so now they're pushing their graduation back a semester or two even, and just stay, graduate, and then if you want to go transfer, transfer. Um, I don't like the unlimited transfer thing that they just passed for this year. I think that again, there's going to be so many kids not be able to graduate now. The two, three time undergrad transfer, they're losing hours every t- every place they go. Um, now on the same hand, coaches that leave all the time, head coaches that leave, they should have a chance to leave. I mean, it is what it is. If coaches are going to do it, these players should be able to do it as well. If they think, uh, if one of the reasons was going because of the head coach, because, you know, we can say they're going because of the school, but they're going because of the head coach and the prowess of the head coach. So, uh, I would change that. The unlimited transfers is going to get way too out of control. Um, so it needs to be you know, like it was, you get the one time and then you can do the one time post-grad if you need to. I do think with COVID year going away, there's going to be less kids have the multiple years. Um, so I think that will help. Um, and then with with like we talked about, the the revenue sharing, it needs to go in-house. Everyone needs a cut, whether that's by conference, whether that's by the commissioner determining whatever school can give out and have a salary cap. And if everyone has a flat rate or, you know, your left tackle making this and you're your right guards making this. I don't know what that is, but they need they need a piece of the piece of the pie. So, and, and we've talked about this a bunch on the podcast and prior podcasts. Just the differences between high school and portal recruiting. You obviously have a very different perspective. For you, how is it different when you're recruiting a, a portal guy or a or a high school guy? Yeah, it's just way faster, right? And so, you know, they might get in the portal, and you got two days to get them in school, um, or or or, you know, a week or something. So that's why you really try to target guys. One, either you recruited in high school, so you already have the background piece done. You know their situation. Two, they're coming from a place where you've got ties to the coach there, whether it's position coach, somebody on the staff that will give you um, the background on the player. 
what either why he's transferring, why he wasn't playing, um, those type of that type of information, um, or players on your team that that played with that that uh, that player in high school, maybe um, all those pieces. If you were able to get all that, it's hard to take somebody that you don't know anything about in a short time. Um, it's it's extremely difficult because you're competing against a ton of other schools in a short time frame. Um, so it's like drinking uh, water through a fire hose, uh, certainly. But, you know, we've I think you've seen kind of about the last two years, we've targeted guys that, that we've had some sort of relationship with, um, whether with the player in recruiting before or with somebody on the on the staff. Let me ask you, staying there on on who you target in the portal, it seems like this year is more FBS guys or we'll say big school guys versus FCS schools or G5. Is that a, is that a, a cyclical thing depending on what there is out there? Is that a, an attempt by you guys to get, you know, higher level players? What's the process when you're breaking down who to bring in on the portal? Yeah, I think it's all cyclical. I mean, you can say we want to take more FCS guys and, and would ship on their shoulders and, and bring them up, but there could be a the similar player um, at another school. Um, I'll, you know, Austin Blasky is a guy, for example, that obviously with Coach Searles being there, we had a lot of info on. Uh, and when we met the kid, um, he had a lot of Corey Gaynor characteristics to him. Um, we think he's a tough ass. We think he's extremely smart, loves football. Doesn't like um, media. Yeah, doesn't like media, which is great, you know. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, he can't, so he can't say the wrong thing when we're uh, playing against the team. But, no, I mean, it, it just it just depends um, uh, on the players available, the connections, um, those type of deals. I think everybody kind of saw the hidden gems last year in, in FCS and lower levels, and so everybody was all in on these guys. And the other pieces, too, and, and we get calls from agents all the time, what's the price tag going to be? Now, what's he looking for of that? And that eliminates a lot of guys uh, fast nowadays. Interesting. I've had this discussion, and it, I don't – if you want to comment, you can, but – Cool God. Yeah. <laughs> Lane Kiffin's <laughs> always said it's NFL free agency without any rules. And then we talk about the money aspect of it. And I've always wanted to know, and this was, is why I want it public, and, and Mac has mentioned this in press conferences, is – I want to know how much money it really is because mm -hmm. you hear about a former offensive lineman and you've, I've heard a large range of what he may or may not have gotten offered. I'd like to see how much money actually drops in these guys. Yeah. That's what, yeah, no, I think it all needs to be public knowledge. Um, and hopefully when we're heading towards the revenue sharing model and all that, it will be um, the good thing for me and, and guys on our staff, I got a lot of connections at a lot of schools so I can usually weed through um, some of the fake numbers, some of the real numbers. You know, some of them are real. You know, let's just be honest. Some of the numbers you're hearing are real. Some of them are not. Uh, I got connections to agents. I got connections to kind of a, a lot of different people. So you're still sorting through that. It's not all real. And if and if you're a young kid, you're always going to lie about how much money you make yeah. um, for the most part. I know I did shoot when I was mowing lawns and everything, telling everyone how much money I was making. So I get it. We're trying to teach our players like, Hey, once you get in the real world, you don't, you don't want to go around bragging how much money you're making uh, and certainly lie about how much money you're making. But, you know, they're kids um, at the end of the day. Um, and, and this is a new thing for them, just like it's a new thing for us. But, yeah, the, a database showing exactly what they would be making uh, would be awesome.
So, so let me just ask you this question. You mentioned some of these kids have um, agents. Uh, do you deal directly with them or does somebody at UNC deal directly at them? Or is that the collective deals? How does that, how does that bridge kind of happen? Yeah, this is, this is part of it, Don, that's just so gray. Um, and really the NCA or whoever needs to get a, a handle on, because again, okay. you're not supposed to talk about money before they arrive on campus. So I just talked to agents about um, guys in the portal who they represent. I don't, I don't ever talk, monetary with them they might throw a number out i don't ever say okay yeah we'll do that um because i can't do that nor would i do that it's not my money mm-hmm. um and uh but yeah i would say going through the portal this year i would say 90 percent of them uh which is a change i think last year maybe 50 percent, 90 percent had an agent or somebody that was representing them mm-hmm. um and um i mean i think you see what's the nc is cracking down on a couple schools um you know we can't um defer somebody to our uh, collective uh, to talk to uh, again until um, until they're enrolled is, is that that's when the communication can start. The only thing we can tell them and we've been told we can tell them is what our guys on our team uh, are making. Okay. So I'm assuming that you probably don't see that nearly as much, if at all, with high school kids. No, you still do. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. and, and you is see the same all the new- percentage though? No, I, I'd say it's not that high. I mean, I think they're they're still trying to figure out. And again, it depends on a state if they're able to capitalize on NIL um, in high school. You know, you see uh, Georgia passed their law; they're able to do that now. Um, North Carolina still, I think, working on theirs. The private schools obviously can can do it. Um, so it just depends on kind of where they're coming from. But the, there's always questions about NIL. I mean, that's a you have to present NIL uh, and and kind of what your philosophy is and what, what the school does. Um, but you can't, they cannot talk to the collective, uh, until they're enrolled. So you mentioned Nick Saban potentially being the commissioner. You you've worked with Saban. I don't know how close you are with him. Do you think that's something he would entertain? No, I think he's good. I think he'll go the, uh, television route, uh, play some golf. Um, I think he'll go that route. I don't, I don't, I think he, Part of the reason probably him getting out was all the new changes, and I don't think he wants to deal with it from from that standpoint. But, um, but yeah, I mean, somebody like Coach Brown, I mean, Coach Brown would make a great commissioner. We're blessed to have him here. We want to keep him here as long as possible. But um, he's, you know, I've ever since I was with him at Texas, he's always been heavily involved in the landscape of, of college football, and I know he would like to see some things change. But, again, Coach Brown's on board with what we are now and, and trying to attack it best way possible and, the best way possible is to get our uh, collectives and NIL up as high as possible and, and get as much help as we can. Yeah, folks have seen Joey Powell's work here at Inside Carolina with Graham Boone. Check out what they're doing in that in the campaign. It is creeped on up there with a lot of help from Inside Carolina people. One thing, one quote about Nick Saban, he said, I saw recently when they're showing all of the Sabanisms, is he said he's never had a pro scout ask how much a guy played as a freshman. And uh, I think that's very relevant in this discussion of transfer portal and NIL and all that. But, Pat, before we let you get out of here, and we appreciate you taking the time, tell us a little bit about Jeff Collins from the inside. What can you share with North Carolina fans? Um, you know, he, he sounds great in the press conferences. I've listened to every podcast he's been on. Uh, need to get him on here. But 
what from having worked with him down in Atlanta at Georgia Tech, um, what can North Carolina fans expect? Uh, what you see is what you get. He is high energy all the time. Um, he's got a great attitude and just presence about him that rubs off on his players. Um, he really installs so much confidence in his players that they go out there thinking um, they can beat anybody. And I think that's huge. Um, he's obviously, you know, his, his, he's talked about his philosophy. It's an attacking philosophy and, um, and, to, and to cause havoc, uh, Minister of Mayhem. Um, you know, but uh, I think uh, UNC fans are going to love him. Uh, our players are going to love him. Uh, he is as genuine of a person as you can be around, uh, and he's a hell of a ball coach. Yeah, all I care about is recruiting. So from a, <laughs> from a recruiting standpoint, what does he kind of bring for you guys as a recruiter? He'll recruit everybody. He's not a position recruiter. He's going to recruit everybody on defense. Um, he's a communicator. He's always going to communicate with them, whether it's through DMs, texts, calling. Um, he's on his phone 24-7. Um, and the way he's able to present how they fit in his defense uh, is elite. So uh, you can expect him, and he, he does not uh, shy away uh, from going after anybody. Um, and so he's going to go after the players he feels fits fits his defense, um, along with the coaching staff on defense. And so um, he will go after uh, the top guys. Pat Sotis, we appreciate it. Last question. Folks always ask me geographical era, areas with with position coaches how much goes into getting those organized and how do they shift when you have new coaches you got ted monacino coming in full-time dl coach you've got uh, collins coming in as defensive coordinator which i know is a little bit different there what, what are those like in, in this era of college football does it matter as much to have geographical eras in that I don't think it matters as much, um, but it still matters. I mean, high school coaches are still involved. Their relationships matter with the schools. Um, I have to really play referee because a lot of the times the same coach wants the same area, so I have to be the bad guy, which I have no problem being. Um, but we would really try to put guys in areas that they've recruited before. They have the relationships, and it might be multiple coaches. Um, and so I, I don't mind putting an offensive defensive guy in the same area um, but we want to take care of North Carolina first and then really work that five-hour radius um, around North Carolina. And then if there's any um, guys outside of that area in a Florida, any of those other places we have connections or somebody has a connection to UNC, uh, then we'll target. But, yeah, that's, there's been some good uh, referee uh, battles I've had with coaches and, um, and playing peacemaker uh, is one of my uh, job in my job description. Well, it's got to be fun when you're trying to play peacemaker with a bunch of high-strung football coaches. I don't, I don't envy you, my man, but I do appreciate you taking time to join Don and I. Absolutely appreciate you guys. And Don, I'm gonna send you some Atlanta stuff. But no, no, don't do that. Yeah, see, see, see. I can't even get him to wear inside Carolina stuff. <laughs> if we can get him off the Philly stuff and get that ugly mascot behind him. Oh man, best mascot right. in all of sports. I'll appreciate see you, you guys. Thank you. Go heels. Thanks, Pat. That was fun. Let me do this before we continue because I have a lot of follow-up there from, from that. It's Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. We joke about gear and swag and all that. Um, if you like what those coaches are wearing sometimes, and Pat as well, you can go to Johnny T-Shirt and get some of that swag there. And if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, you can get it 
for 10% off, you get all the Don Callahan stuff, you know, all this recruiting stuff and all this inside scoop and weekly scoop and all that. And then you get 10% as well if you're a premium subscriber. So check them out on Franklin Street or online at johnnytshirt.com. National guys will pay the bills right fast. We'll come back, wrap up the noon dish with, with Don Philly Callahan. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Don. We got to, before, I know I have a lot too to want to talk about, but Preston, calling you out for not doing your job. What did I do? What's what you didn't do? Oh, we didn't talk about top five. Top five vices. So get them together. Vices as in V-I-C-E-S. You know, whatever those vices may be, keep them clean in the chat. We'll get to them. I meant to mention it before that, but I was so excited to get to talk to somebody other than Don on these shows. And and shout out to the 111 people that are in here live on a Wednesday afternoon. One thing that I wanted to shout out is that I mentioned it with him, but I didn't want him to have to say the numbers. I think the Hills for Life campaign is over $600,000 right now. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. They know it. We know it. A large portion of that's Inside Carolina folks supporting that. And, and that's why Inside Carolina people, you know, we had the uniform threads done. I don't know if you knew this, but like they had baseball uniform threads. And I posted on the boards, and other people posted on the boards when Carolina was not winning those battles in that uniform bracket, and North Carolina won. Same mm-hmm. with the hockey threads. Same with the NIL stuff. So inside Carolina folks are all over it there. It's crazy. Don, one thing we didn't ask, and it's not really a question he can answer here with us, is how do you get people convinced to pay money for a high school crowd or um, – a portal guy that's going to be making more money than maybe the people that you're asking to pay the money make. You, you see that? Sort yeah. Of? Well, the whole, if you, if we really think about it and just kind of lay out exactly what this system is, it's, it, it's really not a great system. You know what I mean? It really like Pat talked about with the revenue sharing. I'm hoping that that, once they kind of get through that wall and get the revenue sharing, the NIL stuff becomes less important, I guess, because right. they'll be making a good bit amount of money. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's so weird. If you think about, it. I mean, you're, you're basically donating money and there's some people in some of these threads are, you know, donating what they can, um, you know, taking whatever out of their bank accounts, you know, each payday or whatever for, you know, an athlete. It, it, it's it's such a weird thing as opposed to if you look at the pro sports model and the way it's done. I mean, I, I feel like we have to mimic that, get as close to that as we can. And the fact that we've had to fight this whole amateur idea for decades has really made it difficult to do that. And I think also being connected to the schools because of because schools are obviously a lot of them are are 
public institutions and and yet the worry about title nine and all this other stuff so it's it makes it so hard but yeah it's it's a weird thing to think about just in general how the system is currently set up and it just feels so um shaky as far as just we we can just pivot in a different direction so quickly with how these things are kind of um you know laid out yeah i mean something's got to change it yeah. is it is not sustainable yeah um and, and the thing and, and people that fret about the the kind the uh, conference arguments is and i've said it a million times these schools that are in either the, the big two or the power two or whatever all of the money used for facilities and all that kind of thing are going or coming from that mm-hmm. and then the money that people donate so when Joe Blow donates $10 million to have a name on a football field or a name on a, a building in Chapel Hill. That money came from the media down there, and that Joe Blow's 5 or $10 million goes to players. Mm-hmm. I think Ohio State is up to $13 million to build their roster for next year, or that's the, the rumor. That is just nuts. But anyway. Well, I, well, the thing, too, is if you think about it, and I was reading this. I can't remember. I would love to, um, to cite the article I was reading. Um, but I can't off the top. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But they were mentioning that they think, especially what, once there's revenue sharing, that all this dead money that that is going to all these coaches will really die down a lot. Um, and the re- be- the reason why all of these athletic departments have the money, whether it's coming directly from the school or from, well, I guess, mostly from boosters and all that, is because there's so much money that they're receiving from the TV deals and, and that sort of thing. And they don't have to pay the the true or you know good portion of the, the employees, meaning the players. And that maybe once this starts, you, you have to pay the players. You know the coaching salaries would actually go down, and you you wouldn't be in situations where you have um, uh, Jimbo Fisher making God w- w- what is it seven million a year or whatever it is to do nothing. Seventy five you know, million dollar buyout or something like that. Yeah, which is so, just ridiculous. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean something has to change with all this, and it's. I don't think anyone truly knows how we get to the next, I guess, you know, settled stage. You know, but, um, but yeah, the, the, the um, if I, if I can, can I, can I get two minutes to talk about my idea or do you have something you want to, no, you can do it. I just think what you're talking about there is exactly what Pat was talking about when we were yeah. talking to him is you got to get to a system that fits what we're trying to do here. And when I say we, uh, the world of college football, but go ahead, hop up on your soapbox. So, yeah, so hop here's, on my here, soapbox. While, while you're talking, I want people to put their vices in the chat. And I We say only have people, one so far. I know, and it's my man, double MVP, Sean Crowley. This is why he's the two-time, two, two, two-time MVP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've got a few comments that I'm going to post here in a second once you're done. So, so go ahead. Yeah, so um, I probably should have done a little bit more research on this. But, but the system I feel like that would work best – is and for those who don't follow hockey, stay with me here. But in hockey, they have junior hockey, which is mostly in Canada, but they have a bunch of different leagues, and some leagues have higher rep, uh, higher reputations than others, similar to what we have in college football. And uh, those guys get paid. I believe those guys get drafted to their to their teams. And the following is is kind of a cross between. Um, you know, college football fans and minor league baseball fans. You know, it's kind of small, but very, very 
um, you know, if, if you live in one of these small Canadian towns, you know, they, they love their team, whatever team that is. The cool thing I think with it is that, so I think they're drafted at 16 years old or whatever, and they play in those leagues. I know there's a limit. I think it might be 21 years old, but you're drafted at any point by NHL teams and the NHL team doesn't need to pluck you from that junior hockey roster at any point. They can leave you there for a couple of years if they want and let you develop. And the reason why I think that's cool is how great would it be now? Maybe Drake may wasn't, maybe, let, let's take it back to Sam Howe. How great would it have been for Sam Howe to be drafted by the Washington, I want to say Redskins, um, commanders. I'll allow it. Commanders. Um, and then, but they say, hey, we don't think you're ready yet. Stay another year at North Carolina and you get another year of Sam Howe. And then once they feel like, okay, we want, want you, we want to throw you in the starting lineup, you know, we'll pull you up. Now, some fans are going to bring up the whole, like, oh, well, Drake May wouldn't have started, yada, yada. But that's, that's kind of beside the point. The point I'm kind of making is, is there certain guys like Tez Walker, for example, you know, I know he's getting some looks as a first round draft pick, but there's some questions there, you know, with his game that he would need to work on. Whoever drafts him, what if they say, hey, we we obviously we like you, we want you, but we want you to stay in North Carolina for another year. You know, and I think that'd be cool for college football to keep some of the faces of some of these programs for a year or two longer. Um, and, and then still, you're still getting the benefits of the NIL because a, a lot of these hockey players, they do the little, you know, um, posters and all that sort of stuff you see driving around and all that. Um, but um, but but still are getting paid and, and, and all that. So I think a system like that would work best. The problem is, is that we're, we're going to have we, our jumping off point is the college football the way it is right now. And it's difficult to kind of get to another system similar to that i think i mean my thing a couple things there i thought you were going um within the college ranks and i was thinking well there already is that because that's the fcs yeah, so the you G5. could still you could still go to college still like you, you there are college hockey teams yeah. there's um other obligations for them they do get drafted and they do stay at their, their hockey their hockey club so you can so this would be and i probably should throw this in there i mean there's certain people who don't want to go to college and i don't think there's anything wrong with that so instead, you would go to this junior football league. But if you wanted to go to college, go to college, play for that college. Right. You know what I mean? And have the obligations. But some people are like, I don't want to do school. There's tons of kids who will tell you off the record. On the record, they won't say that. But on the, uh, off the record, they will tell you, man, why do I have to do this school stuff? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, if one of my sons asked, if we win the lottery, do I have to stay in college? Yeah. <laughs> why i don't need the money well you know that's the thing is at what point does the actual education part become completely irrelevant more so than it is now for for a lot of a lot of this but uh you know i i don't know i don't know how it ever changes i mean the only good thing that i see coming out of this is ncaa 24 that's coming out this summer which which gets us into the vices and it gets us into the congruity HR top five. Congruity HR for all your small to mid-sized business. Uh, you know, whatever you need in, in small businesses, congruity HR will, will take your payroll and your HR services and they will knock it out of the park. So you can worry about all the rest of your smaller mid-sized business. Go to congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels. 
get a free assessment on what your business needs and what they can do for your business. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, you haven't spent a dime because it was free because you're an Inside Carolina listener or viewer. So check them out. They've got top-of-the-line customer service, technology, you know, a, world, a, a national brand that they developed from a small brand. So you know that if they can do it for themselves, they can do it for you. So just take care of them. Another one of the great sponsors here at Inside Carolina. You liked that segue, didn't you, Don? Top I did. That was advices. good. That was professional. We don't have any choices, but I do want to uh, throw up Sean Crawley's. We'll go ahead and do that first. Sports, chocolate, soda, cheesecake, and podcast. I would wager podcast is number one on his list. I would wager Inside Carolina is number one on his list. Um, that's the only one we have so far. I'll give you mine, Don. Okay, give me yours. This was Tommy's idea. That's why we don't have any. Uh, we only yeah, have one submission. It was poor, and it was late at the moment. Um, vinyl records, dude. Why have I gotten into vinyl records? Do you like vinyl records? Do you like music? Or are you a I'm not a big dude? music guy. You're a put them on the phone, put them on the iPod shuffle. I don't even do. And I think we've had this conversation before. I. I will listen to music, but for the most part, if I'm driving in my car, when I'm on my walks, I'm, you know, only music I really listen to is if, you know, my daughter's in the car, she wants to put something on. My wife is big into music, so there's a lot of times where she's doing something in the kitchen and the music is on downstairs. But me, I'm a podcast guy. So, yeah. So, do, I have a question, though. Okay. And this is something. So, I worked in another field for 30 years in addition okay. to doing this stuff. I don't really care to watch Netflix or listen to podcasts about that field, really. Mm -hmm. I didn't when I worked in it because I was living it every day. Now I'll go back and do it a little bit. Like a good murder mystery is a good deal. Mm -hmm. It's the same with sports. Like we do this so much with North Carolina sports and inside Carolina and covering it all the way down to the, you know, the, the sand on the ground. We, you know, we cover it from that point up. For North Carolina sports, I got I've gotten out of wanting to hear people talk about it unless it's doing this. I mean, is that weird? So no, no, I don't think you're. I don't think it's weird because there are definitely moments. So I have started to not. I'm not. I used to be a huge NFL guy, and I really don't. I really don't watch a whole lot of NFL mostly because I'm I'm still a big college football guy. So you know, Saturdays if I'm not in Keenan Stadium. From noon until the Hawaii game, I'm literally I'm in the man tower watching multiple games at once. But that's because so, yeah, you bet on them, though, right? I bet on them, but I mean, I love college football. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love I love college football. You know, so um, and so when Sunday comes, I'll throw it on. Now I'm also kind of Sunday's like a big work day for me, so a lot of it is is you know I'm on the phone or whatever. But there are some times where I'm just like, hey, I want to go watch something completely different. I will say that I grew up, and I mentioned this before, I, I mean, I grew up in Philadelphia, so I grew up a big Penn State fan, and when I was growing up was in the, you know, for the most part was in the early 90s, Kerry Collins um, in, in 1993 when, you know, they got robbed of that national championship. Did you like, let me ask you a random throwaway question, sure. did you like Sam Gash? Was he one of the people you followed? I think that, that was before my time. 
He was in like the 90, early, I was at Carolina from 89 to 93. He was around that time. So it was a little Okay, bit so I don't remember ever watching him. I remember, you know, Kajana Carter and... Um, Sam's brother, uh, Eric, played for Carolina. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember watching him. But anyway, my whole point of all that is, is that I'm no longer a Penn State fan. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I used to be, you know, know the roster, know, follow recruiting, read all this recruiting stuff. I don't do that at all anymore. And I mean, if they're playing Ohio State, I'm rooting for them or whatever, unless I picked Ohio State in the game. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it, that has changed for me completely. My, you know, so my I've consolidated my fandom to just the Phillies and the Flyers for the most part. Can you get us tickets to a whiteout game at, at Happy Valley? Do you still have that connection? That's a, that's a bucket. Um, so, I mean, I have a lot of family members who are alumni, so I, I'm, I could potentially work on that. I need you to work on that. I, I well, so I know, I know a coach on staff there. Oh, there you go. So Ooh, we can get yeah. field passes for a whiteout game. Potentially, I don't know how well he likes me. <laughs> you need to cultivate <laughs> that relationship, it, and it leads me to mention tonight at eight thirty, but. Jason and the rest of the roundtable crew will be talking about the ACC schedule. Hopefully, either a North Carolina bye or a North Carolina away game will pair up with a Penn State whiteout game. So Don and I can go to a Penn State whiteout game and stand on the field in Happy Valley. Anyway, more vices. Let's get it. Uh, yeah, so just uh, before we get to that, so um, Sam Gash was drafted in 1992. So that was slightly – I, I'm sure I was watching Penn State games then, but that's you, you know hey you have that moment where you remember the teams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't there yet at that point because I was probably I was still in my I, I wasn't even in the double digits yet for age. So yeah, Sam was a cool dude and uh, had some interaction with him and his brother back in the day. Uh, Eric Miller says I want to be Connor Stallions at Penn State. I am not smart enough. To steal signs, I'll go ahead and tell you. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm like, just you'd have to hold up the sign and say, "Off tackle to Amarion for me to be able to steal it. Anyway, uh, North State Tees, name I hadn't seen. Celsius Panera Charger, Charger. Oh, that that that's that stuff that's way too jacked up. This is a this is a college football coach here. This is the new wave Red Bull right there. Is the Diet Mountain Dew? Uh, that's got a ton of sugar in it. So I, I used to be a big Mountain Dew person, and I gave soda up and lost a ton of weight. But I could never do the Diet Mountain Dew. The I, only soda I will drink now is a Coke Zero, and that goes with my other vice. So, um, but All right, so you go through fast food, rest, uh, drive throughs not really. No, and oh. if I do, I go to I get tea. Uh, see, I can't do tea. Yeah, I do sweet tea. But uh, yeah, that is an interesting. There's Panera Charger Lemonade. It's got some bad press recently. Espresso, love that. Can't do the Diet Mountain Dew. I can drink coffee twenty four seven. Um, so good stuff there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mark Kenton, another regular. Ball caps, watches. Basketball, Tar Heel, anything, drag racing. What do you think about drag racing? Legal or illegal? Well, I mean, it's all the same. We'll say legal. There's a. I've been to. I'm not a race car guy. I mean, that's probably that is probably like the only sport I don't. 
I mean, I just never any sort of racing I've never gotten into. You don't you don't think going as fast as you can and turning left four times is, no. is fun. Yeah. And I used to when I was in college, I um I worked at a Coles in Huntersville, North Carolina. And the majority of the women that worked with me, their husbands were on race teams. And so there would be um, race car drivers would come in all the time and there'd be this whole big deal. And I never recognized the name or whatever. Um, Friend of the family and a a friend hooked me up on a, on a helmet signed by the driver and a famous driver, another famous driver. That's the only thing NASCAR I've, I used to watch it. That's interesting. So Mark, I, Mark Kenton doubling up. Hold on, Mark Kenton doubling up. I don't understand. Well, he he got this was his confusion one. He got confused. So just just take that off. No, I kind of like that one. Ref blamers. Oh yeah, he that was this, pet peeves instead this is of pet vices. peeves, which is another thing Tommy wants to do like every week is pet peeves. Yeah, I could do. I could do. Here you go, Eric Miller hiding in the bathroom to watch YouTube live. Eric, you go to your boss and, and convert them to a Carolina fan. You'll be like me over the past 30 years. And your boss is always wanting to know the scoop with Carolina. And there was your end. What, could there could there be like permission slips that we can sign for people? Yeah. We, we yeah. will shout out your business if they allow the workers to watch the okay. show every week. That Sunday. works. Yeah, because we need people to watch. What are your vices? So my my biggest thing is sweets. In general, I, I try to stay away from them, but they call me and, you know, I mean, you name it. I mean, and then I, and it, it kind of changes. So right now my kick is um, Tasty Cake. They're, they're honey buns, but they're the chocolate. I think they're, they, they're called something. They're, they're part of the honey bun family or whatever, but they put chocolate on them. And the, it's like an eclair sort of thing. Freaking love them. So if I see them in the store, I grab them by accident. And, um, yeah, I mean, I love chocolate. I love, I love, um, sour candy. And I try to stay away from myself as much as possible, but I still end up eating it. And then sports, someone brought up, um, you know, hiding my wife to this day. So brings up, we went over to a neighbor's house, very, very nice people. Uh, but they don't, they own like one TV and it's very small. Um, they're not really into sports and we had to go over there and the flyers are playing in a playoff game. So I, we're sitting at their dining room table, just kind of chatting. I didn't know when the hell we were going to leave. And I like these people. These are great people. And so I just plopped up my my phone with the Flyers game in the middle just so I can see. But I was still engaged in the conversation. So I've done – she has tons of stories about that, about me kind of, you know, pulling out a game and watching it in other places. So sports are definitely kind of a vice for me. I would uh, jam the Wi-Fi if you come over here just so you can't do that. No, I mean, I agree. It's interesting. Vinyl records for me, um, coffee, um, probably video games, um, checks mix. What else? I get betting for me. Bull peanuts. Betting is a, is a vice. Betting? And I, it's almost to the point, gambling. It's almost oh, to the point man. now where I can't even ga- – I wanted to gamble on some of the NFL games over the weekend – but I just felt like I didn't have the proper information. Uh, you saw that it's the Charger, it's the 49ers and the Ravens, no matter what happens, right? You saw well, that it wasn't tweet. just that. I actually, <laughs> what I wanted to do, and I would have been right on, is I wanted to take Houston plus seven in the first half and then take the um, full game on um, 
the Ravens, right? Yeah. yeah. And I would have hit on that. And that, and I wanted to go over on, um, on, um, God, I'm going blank. Quarterback, Ravens. Played Lamar for Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Um, I think his over under rushing yards was like 51.5. At one point, it was like 45 or something like that. I didn't like the fact that it went up, but I should grab that because I think he rushed for over 100 yards. So, yeah. So I was. <laughs> I was, uh, I was just, I was just like, I don't have enough information. I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to be mad at myself for making these bets. So I'm not going to make these bets. You know, it's not legal until March 11th in North Carolina. So I'm not sure what is Don that what, so I saw that there was something on the news. Well, isn't it? It's legal, and I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. yeah, uh, that's a rabbit hole no. we're not going down. And folks are like walking out, throwing tomatoes at the screen at this point. So it's time yeah, for talk us about, to pro- talk about bets that I would have won that I didn't bet on. Yeah, everyone <laughs> yeah. does that. No, it's I'm, one of my I, vices, I talking about what, what could have been. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Shout out to Pat Sotis for joining us today. A very informative interview, a good interview um, from the 12-15 or from the 15-minute to the 45-minute mark of the show. Shout out to Don Callahan for organizing that, for Pat taking the time to join us. Shout out to Congruity and to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring these shows. Shout out to everybody at Inside Carolina that makes uh, these podcasts. Shout out to Tommy. I'm just the host. And uh, also, folks, if you're still in here, tonight at 8.30, Inside Carolina Football Roundtable, the schedule will be released at 5 o'clock, I think, starting at 5 o'clock on ACC Network. We'll get together to talk about it live because – what better way to spend your Wednesday evening than listening to We got another to top five in there. And uh, there's a top five positivity only. Double good popcorn, V8 energy drink, oh, sports podcast, pistachios. That's nice. Uh, do you like shelled or unshelled pistachios? Because sometimes those shells can break some teeth out. And then football, of course. I can't do V8, but that's another. We can't go there. V8, I don't do the the tomato juice aspect of V8. And I guess that gets rid of the V8. But anyway, shout out to everybody that's joined us. Don, what's our noon dish schedule look like over the next couple months? I guess we're going to try to do every other week, right? We're going to stick to every other week. If that's the case, we'll see everybody, uh, I guess, what, February 7th-ish, if my dates are correct. Um, Isn't that signing day? That is signing day, so I guess it would be good to talk about how North Carolina did not sign anyone that day. <laughs> yeah, we, we will be live on the noon dish on February 7th to talk the not signing day for yeah. North Carolina as 20 of those guys are already in school. Yeah. What, a, what a crazy time to be alive and follow North Carolina recruiting with Don Callahan. Everybody, please be safe. Stay cool. Stay warm. Stay dry, wet, wherever you are. Just be you and join us next time here on the noon dish. Thanks everybody.